Hi, and welcome to episode 39 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Today's episode features a gold Puerto Rican rum, Ron del Berlito, two-star, and a number of chances for me to work on my Spanish pronunciations. And in that spirit of challenging pronunciations, I'll also get into the chapter devoted to Joe, I believe it's Sialam, or could also be Skylam, uh, a renowned bartender featured in a chapter of Jeff Berry's Potions of the Caribbean. And then I'll make two cocktails, the Sol y Sombra and the Oro de los Tontos. So following standard convention, let's go ahead and start with the rum itself. So, hey, this is a gold Puerto Rican rum, which you'll recall makes it a Spanish-style rum, or ron, if you will. Uh, this rum is actually made on Puerto Rico, and there's some really good information on the distillery itself on the Ministry of Rum web- website, um, as you'd expect. So I have a, a link to that in the show notes, but a couple of the things I'll call out, the, the rum itself, uh, the, or excuse me, the distillery that makes it is the Edmundo B. Fernandez Distillery. Um, and what distinguishes this rum is the blending that they do to get the rum that they're looking for. So um, going back to the company's history, their founder, Pedro Fernandez, went to engineering school in France in the 1860s and returned to Puerto Rico in uh, 1871. Uh, there the family plantation grew sugarcane and therefore had a small still, which was the style at the time. Uh, his rum became very popular. Uh, he distributed that to um, his neighbors and friends and family. Um, and it was unique due to the ingredients that were used in making that rum. And in 1880, the rum began to be made commercially available. And it's been on the market since in one form for another. Um, and really, the blending is the thing with this rum because uh, the surrounding land where in Puerto Rico is now devoid of sugarcane. The, com- the area has been completely developed. So to make Rondel Barolito, bulk alcohol is purchased from, wait for it, uh, Bacardi, uh, that big 800-pound gorilla of gold or of any kind of Puerto Rican rum, Bacardi. Uh, the proprietary blending and aging is what makes the Barolito Barolito. And it's also a good example of um, when you get a new rum that you're not familiar with, sometimes it's good to just go ahead and give it a taste, uh, do um, maybe the daiquiri test. In other words, get to know the rum a little bit before you read a little bit about the history because then you can make sure you don't have any preconceived notions about what that rum may or may not be like. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, all I knew about this rum when I bought the bottle was that it was fairly well regarded, but I hadn't really done much research on it. I knew it was a gold Puerto Rican rum, and I wanted that style of rum to, to find another uh, of that style of rum. And then tasted it, which we'll get to the tasty notes later, and then went back and looked at the history of it and found out that it is indeed made from uh, bulk rum that Bacardi sells to the um, Edmundo uh, Fernandez distillery. So anyways, uh, long story, slightly longer. Um, If you can go into tasting a new rum without any preconceived notions and then go back and maybe do a little bit of research afterwards because Bacardi is kind of a hot topic term or whatever you want to call it, a, a trigger term, I guess is probably the best way to put it. When it comes to people who like rum, and you might have some preconceived notions based on that name. Anyways, uh, stepping away from that, uh, again, going back to the rum, they blend their rum before they age it, which is a little bit different than some producers. Some producers will age it and then they'll blend it to get what they're looking for. Uh, and they use their uh, bar- barrels that are a little bit larger than other rum producers, uh, roughly 132 gallons per barrel. Uh, and one other thing to note on the barrels is that these barrels originate from European oak, which is a little bit different than a lot of their um, you know, a lot of other people that are aging rum in the Caribbean are looking to barrels that used to uh, be made from American oak. So just a small difference for them. Um, and they produce two rums. They produce the three-star and the two-star. The two-star is the one we have today. Now, uh, the two-star itself, Rondel Berlito, 
Uh, Berlito loosely translates to keg. There's a couple other things it could translate to, but I'm going to effectively consider this to be called keg of rum. Um, Rondel Berlito is distilled from molasses, and as mentioned a moment ago, the rum is blended first and then aged. It's aged for at least three years, um, and please note that there is a years versus stars difference in the name. So two year or two stars is not equal two years in this case. That's the star system is just what they have uh, to delineate their two rums. Um, it's bottled at 86 proof or um, 43% alcohol by volume. I found the bottle at my local Total Wine, although it was on a shelf where they clear out stuff they don't plan to stock any longer. I think that's an indication more that Total Wine will no longer stock it, not that the rum itself is going away. Uh, I also saw some notes on the Ministry of Rum site indicate that the yearly production is limited to about 11,000 cases. So if you try to find this, or if you find this rum, um, you try it and you enjoy it, you might want to pick up an extra bottle or two because uh, I think uh, av availability may fluctuate a little bit. And after doing my initial tasting, I did indeed go back and pick up another bottle at high time. Um, excuse me, not high time, at Total Wine. Anyways, uh, my bottle cost about $25, if I recall correctly. So when it comes to the rum uh, itself, inter uh, you know, aroma, appearance, taste, and finish. Uh, appearance, it's a light gold color, uh, shaded lighter than many other aged rums. It's almost uh, straw-colored, or, or maybe how my brain perceives straw to look. Um, it has slow developing legs when it's swirled in the glass. Uh, when, and once they're formed, they run fairly quickly down the sides of the glass. Uh, aroma, I noticed some mild astringency after swirling the rum and aerating it a little bit. Uh, kind of light sweetness in the aroma. And given the style, I'm not terribly surprised at its mildness. Um, not really able to coax much out of the smell other than, again, that little astringency or a little bit of sweetness. Now, when it comes to taste... I find the rum to be very smooth with uh, just a touch of heat on the tongue, uh, pretty dry, lighter body, and easy to swip, sip neat. Um, those characteristics, again, being dry and lighter body, uh, very indicative of a Spanish-style rum. Um, has a little bit of sweetness, um, and it really, you know, it tastes like you'd imagine a good aged Puerto Rican rum would. Hmm. Now, in terms of finish, I think it, to me it finishes in stages. It's uh, a little unremarkable at first, and then a second or two later, it blooms into some heat and a bit of uh, pepper taste. No real burn in the throat to speak of, but the heat does linger a bit in your mouth. So summing up this rum as a sipper, this one surprised me a little bit as a sipper. Um, I, I thought I was going to like it, but I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Um, I tend to think of English-style rums first and Spanish-style rums next. That's just my personal preference, but I did enjoy this one quite a bit. Um, it's almost a, a rum's rum in the way that Barbados rums are true to the spirit as well. Uh, it may be a little bit more spendy as an everyday mixer, but if I was going to mix a cocktail like a zombie that calls for you know some higher caliber rums and that called for a gold Puerto Rican rum as one of the ingredients, this is a very good bet to use in that uh, application. Um, overall, I'd say this is one of my new favorites in the category and age of Puerto Rican aged rums. Okay, now let's get back into uh, Potions of the Caribbean, which I've mentioned in a couple of previous shows, but uh, it's pretty pretty rich in information, and so it's uh, something that can be mined for uh, much more than just one or two episodes. In any case, I want to look today at the chapter on Joe, uh, like I said in the in the open, it's either Sialam or Skylam, I believe, uh, and from here on out, I'm just going to go ahead and refer to him as Joe. Um, chances are good that you've heard of a cocktail called the Suffering Bastard. Uh, chances are not as good that you know the name Joe Shylam, uh, the man who invented it. Luckily, Jeff Berry uh, remedied that in that remedied that lack of recognition 
devoting this entire chapter to Joe in Potions of the Caribbean. Uh, he had put the recipes for the Suffering Bastard, the Dying Bastard, and the Dead Bastard and remixed and noted that he was going to do um, a whole chapter on him. And I'm glad that he he did write this whole thing out because Joe's story is fascinating to me, both in how his life unfolded, where he found himself tending bars, and how he choose, chose to spend his time once he reached something of a retirement age. Uh, you really should have Potions of the Caribbean already if the subject matter of this podcast is of interest to you. Uh, I can't recommend that book highly enough. Um, and you may already know the story if you have the book, because you've probably read it. Uh, but here's a, I'll, I'll give a brief intro and overview of Joe's life. Um, Joe was born in 1910 in Egypt to an Italian father and a Russian mother. Uh, he studied chemistry because as the eldest son in the family, he was expected to take on dad's pharmacy in Cairo. He became a bartender uh, when the firm that he was training with, the pharmaceutical firm he was training with, sent him to the sedan and he started experimenting with mixing you know, cocktails instead of mixing chemicals. When he returned home and announced his intentions to become a bartender, that went over about as well as you would expect, um, And but though that's still the path that he took. Um, he spent some time in Egypt at the Shepherd Hotel's Long Bar. This was the aspired to destination for any barman in the area and the center of what was then uh, British-influenced Egypt. Joe took over the bar proper in 1940, right on the cusp of African activity in World War II. This was where Joe came up with the Suffering Bastard. It's a concoction of gin, brandy, ginger beer, bitters, and lime syrup. Um, it's actually a, a pretty good cocktail, although obviously not a rum-based cocktail, so one I haven't mentioned on the show before. Um, on the plus side, though, in its form, it's actually very ripe for variations. Like I mentioned before, he had other variations called the Dying Bastard and the Dead Bastard, and I'm pretty sure I can re rework this into a rum recipe that will stay true to the spirit, so maybe that's uh, something for a future show. Um, and don't confuse this with the Suffering Bastard that's on the Trader Vic's menu. Uh, Trader Vic's Suffering Bastard is essentially a Mai Tai with an extra shot of rum. So not necessarily a bad drink, but not at all the same as the Suffering Bastard. Anyways, this was one of those cocktails that was very popular, um, really put Joe on the map um, in addition to working at that hotel bar. And then um, once it became popular, then everybody started, you know, as, as you've seen with uh, maybe a, a zombie a Mai Tai, once a drink becomes popular, it kind of gets copied and put on everybody else's menu to capitalize on that. Anyways, uh, so this drink put Joe on the map um, and in the sights of Conrad Hilton. And then shortly after Colonel Nasser um, had led the military coup of Egypt in 1956, Joe was exiled to Paris after a short time in prison. Uh, being the head of a prominent bar with a lot of British and American customers led to suspicion of Joe being a spy. That was why the government arrested him. Um, after he was, I'm presuming, exonerated, that was when he was exiled out of the country and, and ended up in Paris. Now, while tending bar in Paris, Joe was quickly plucked for Puerto Rico uh, for in, let me back that up. When he was tending bar in Paris, uh, Joe was plucked by Conrad Hilton to work at the new Caribbean Hilton, um, the hotel that was being built in Puerto Rico. Uh, essentially, Conrad Hilton wanted a celebrity bartender to go with his location. Um, while there, Joe learned to love local ingredients, uh, obviously rum, and then also things like citrus and spices that were central to um, the Caribbean. Uh, he set up shop at the famous Caribbean Hilton in January 1957, so not long. He wasn't in Paris for very long, and then went to work creating all kinds of tropical cocktails, including today's uh, one of today's cocktails, the Soli Sombra. Uh, Hilton subsequently tapped him to run the bar program at his new Havana Hilton property in 1958, so Hilton was going to get in on the casino slash hotel property in Cuba. Um, by the end of 1958, though, Cuban rebels had seized power. 
Uh, Hilton took all of their foreign nationals out of the country, and Joe ended up at that point in New York. So at this point in his career, Joe seemed to have a knack for finding revolution. Um, in any case, Joe landed next in New York and spent a number of years there, uh, travel uh, actually both working there and also traveling to develop other bar programs for Hilton uh, at hotels around the world. So I probably went on a little bit longer than I wanted to. Please go read about Joe if you haven't already. Uh, pick it up in Potions of the Caribbean. Really, really uh, interesting story. Um, Joe ended up with an affinity for hot climates, part of the reason he was uh, not in, not interested in staying in Paris for very long, um, and was content to retire in Florida in the sun by the time he reached age 63. Uh, over the next three decades, he faded into obscurity um, and seems to be quite likely by design. That was something that he chose to do. Um, and it's reached the point where all of the drinks that he added have all faded from menus, and I think that's relatively unfortunate, uh, given that some of them are really, really good. And, and Jeff, excuse me, Jeff Barry, um, I'm happy that Jeff Barry managed to tell Joe's story in Potions of the Caribbean. Uh, it was one of the highlights of, I mean, the whole book is good, but hearing uh, Joe's story was one of the highlights of the whole book for me. So let's let's make one of Joe's creations. The, uh, the first recipe in today's episode is the Sol y Sombra, um, and that translates uh, into sun and shadow, or maybe sun and shade, but I prefer shadow because of reasons. Um, this is, again, Joe's recipe. The name was changed later to the Pirate's Delight, quite possibly uh, reflecting him taking it to a new locale or maybe some cultural trend uh, that made that a, a more appealing name at a certain point. But I prefer the Soli Sombra name. Uh, it's a dark punch recipe that drifts on the sour and the tart side, and it also has quite the presentation notes. Uh, the recipe itself, one and one half ounces of gold Puerto Rican rum, uh, here using the Rondel Berlito two-star, three quarters of an ounce of dark Jamaican rum, in this case using Caruba, one half ounce of apricot brandy, two ounces of fresh, yes, fresh pineapple juice, one half ounce of, of course, fresh lime juice, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and then put that into a shaker, shake with ice cubes, and then uh, for presentation, do either of the following, either Pour it unstrained into a hollowed out small or baby pineapple. Uh, you then secure the pineapple itself in a special devol bowl filled with crushed ice, which prevents the pineapple from tipping over, or simply pour the mixture into an old fashioned or a rounded glass. In either case, you wanna garnish that with a paper parasol. Now, I found a baby pineapple in the, uh, and I have pictures of this in the show notes. They sell them at a couple of grocery stores near me. I find that baby pineapple to be too small for this drink, even though it's not a big drink, that pineapple is just too small. And a standard pineapple, for the most part, is just too large. Um, I eventually found a st small standard pineapple that worked pretty well, and so that's what I used for the cocktail today. Um, quick sidebar, I mentioned fresh pineapple juice. And look, I know I'm asking a lot with the fresh juice, and pineapples can be unwieldy, but just get the pineapple core. Um, if It's the rare unitasker for your kitchen that's, that's worth having something like that that's a unitasker. Um, then you can dump some of the fresh pineapple chunks into a kitchen blender, put the spurs to it, strain it out, and then you get the fresh juice out of it. Uh, it'll make a difference in the cocktails when, when, you're, when it's calling for fresh pineapple, so give it a shot. Um, and if you already have a fancy juicer for smoothies, then it's even easier. You can just juice a pineapple really simply that way. Again, in terms of taste, this is a, sort of a, a bitter slash tart leaning punch. Um, I find that it highlights the rums pretty well. You don't have, since it's a two to one ratio on the gold Puerto Rican rum versus the dark Jamaican rum, you get a little bit of that body from the dark Jamaican rum, but you still really... Um, are tasting the shine of the Puerto Rican rum uh, right through the cocktail. So really good. In terms of presentation, uh, it looks a little bit over the top, but it's kind of fun to do it every once in a while. Now, the second recipe today is actually one of my recipes called the Oro de los Tontos. 
Uh, the Oro de los Tontos was something I came up with originally for a different rum. Uh, in March of 2014, the Rum Rum Club meeting at the Tonga Hut in North Hollywood uh, was tasting Don Q rum. And so I created this um, d- uh, with Don Q gold originally. Uh, the translation, incidentally, for Oro de los Tontos is fool's gold. Uh, the Don Q gold, it's a, it's a good mixing rum in the Spanish style. I wouldn't drink it neat the same way I would maybe like the Rondel Barrelito. Um, but I, that was the, when the challenge with the, creating the cocktail was how do I take this rum that's, you know, it's a, it's a good rum, but I don't want to bury the flavor. I want it to be noticed. And sometimes uh, Spanish-style rums, especially the lighter Puerto Rican rum or even a gold Puerto Rican rum, can kind of disappear into a cocktail if you're not careful in uh, how you put it together. Uh, so mixing it into, like for instance, if you were to do this in like a rum barrel, you wouldn't even taste the the gold rum in that case. Anyways, I digress. So I ended up with a daiquiri variation that uses liqueur 43, Pernod, and almond that kind of differentiates it um, rather than just being a straight daiquiri. Now, I was su- subsequently doing some research on the Beachcomber's Gold, one of Don Beach's old recipes, and found that the Oro de los Tontos is actually pretty similar to a recipe called the Gold Cup, but with liqueur 33 taking the place of the maraschino. Uh, this similarity wasn't intentional, um, but it seems worth mentioning uh, a lot. You know, it's not atypical for cocktail recipes to be very similar to each other. Um, I think you know everybody's playing in the same field, and you end up sometimes hitting the same formula. Um, I got the almond extract inspiration, incidentally, from the Captain's Grog, uh, which you haven't if you haven't had that cocktail. Um, it's a, a good, it uses a little bit of almond extract and a couple other things to separate its taste. Um, and I've also looked to the good version of the Beachcomber's Gold uh, for inspiration as well. The Oro de los Tontos, to make that, you use two ounces of gold Puerto Rican rum. Uh, I used, in this case, the Rondel Barrelito Two Star in place of the original Don Q. I thought it would be a, a good upgrade for this cocktail. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of liquor 43, which is a a multi-spice liqueur, but predominantly vanilla, one quarter ounce of simple syrup, three drops of Pernod, and three drops of almond extract. You shake all of that ingredients into a cocktail shaker with ice, and then strain into a chilled cocktail glass. And that one is also pictured in the show notes. That's it for this episode of 5 Minutes of Rum. Thank you very much for listening. Show links and show notes are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5, minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can rate the show on iTunes. You can even leave a review up on the iTunes. The show is also on Twitter as 5 Minutes of, at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via either the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>